Growler Media presents Joe vs. the Minute. Welcome back to Joe vs. the Minute, where a Movies by Minute podcast analyzing the 1990 John Patrick Shanley film Joe vs. the Volcano one minute at a time. And here's where I'm supposed to say we are taking you to the volcano one minute at a time. <laughs> I'm Tierney Steele. I'm Jarf, and with us again is Heidi. Hello, Heidi. Thanks for coming back on a Wednesday. Thanks for having me back. I love a a good Wednesday. I love a good Wednesday, too. And I also love that Tierney is so dedicated to the craft that she will never give a flat delivery of, we're taking you to the volcano. (laughs) It's impossible. It's always got that exclamation point and possibly a raised fist. (laughs) So here we are in minute eight, and it starts with Joe setting up his contraband lamp and ends with Joe telling Dee Dee he can't send the catalog she's asked for. This minute is very exciting because it's the first we get to hear from Dee Dee. I didn't even think of that. I just blipped right over that very important fact. (laughs) So how did you both feel about Dee Dee's accent that she's putting on? I was distracted by just the fact that she was, you know, using the back of her hand on her nose and kind of snuffing. I think it was, I haven't really worked in offices so much. I've worked in food service, mostly at coffee houses, managing coffee houses and and, um, cafes and such. And we're trained so much and I trained so much with people to not touch your face throughout the day because it's disgusting when you're serving food to do that so it that was the thing that kind of like tripped me up whereas I didn't really notice what her accent was I am definitely right there with you because I work for the cystic fibrosis foundation and people with cystic fibrosis are especially prone to germs and catching colds and Mm -hmm. they have a lot harder time fighting them off so part of our orientation they they teach us when you sneeze to sneeze into your elbow Mm -hmm. rather than your hand like a little vampire (laughs) yes (laughs) it's a vampire sneeze okay it's because it looks like you're drawing your cape across your shoulders. Oh, yeah, oh no, I, I, I got, got it. it. Okay. Got it. I was just making sure that I wasn't like completely alone. You're like, yes, I'll just keep talking. She says something that makes no sense. Um, I would like to point out as someone who does work in an office that you shouldn't do that regardless, even if you're not working with food or people with compromised immune systems. It's just gross. Mm-hmm. And she needs to go wash her hands. However, I didn't notice her like so much that accent it's just like yeah that's what dd sounds like that's fine she's doing a good job look at her in this minute she has done she has done well at her job now joe is messing it up okay well that's next minute but for all of the dd is hunched over her typewriter and taking hits off the inhaler and like i said needs to go wash her hands she's it, it we never get the impression that she's bad at this it's just a bad job like she's good at it she's doing what she needs to be doing for the company she is performing her job admirably and we'll see in the next minute how she keeps kind of guardrails on what's her responsibility and what's somebody else's that's called setting boundaries that's excellent (laughs) yes it is excellent and and i definitely agree that she should wash her hands it's very gross seeing her kind of it's, uh, 
It looks like it's allergies and not a cold since she is also using the inhaler. Yes, but still don't use your hand as a tissue. If I was actually working with her, that would be horrifying. (laughs) As an acting choice, I have a lot of respect for it because she is really leaning in. There's another way that you could do this performance where it's just... She's Meg Ryan and she's really cute. She's she's the shy secretary, but also perfectly adorable. And to add that really gross gesture on top of that is a lot of fun. Well, and, and I she's... Oh, go ahead. And I felt like what they were doing is making her parallel where Joe is right now. Because he he's a hypochondriac, so he's always feeling sick. She's sort of reflecting him. Oh, absolutely. I think I really like it because Dee Dee really has to walk a fine line as a character. She needs to be cute enough. And this whole little, how's it going? Okay. You know, like, she needs to be cute enough that we understand why someone would be attracted to her. But she also needs to be gross enough that she's very much of this world. Yes, exactly. I, yeah. Heidi, how did you react to this little exchange? Because I love their little early morning, how's it going? Oh, yeah, I did have a reason to come over to your desk. (laughs) Yeah, no, it seemed natural. I mean, definitely, I agree that she sort of matches him in however you say it you know <laughs> like their vibe i guess yeah <laughs> and yeah that she she is and i also agree jar for that she, yeah there is like she just her facial expression is sort of cute but sort of concerned and yeah she's she's doing meg ryan's doing a great job of de meg ryaning herself where mm-hmm. and well then that wig is doing some good work too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that wig is working overtime. Yeah, like her button nose is lit up a bit from the overhead light, so it is a little bit hot, you know, lit up, but the rest is sort of this darkness and, you know, she could use a day at the salon for sure. (laughs) Heidi, do you have favorite movies featuring her outside of this one? Like, what do you think of when you think Meg Ryan? Gosh, I mean, when I think of Meg Ryan, just off the top of my head, I definitely think, oh yeah, she was that person that for quite a while was the default person always in these romantic comedies um, Mm -hmm. forever and ever and ever you know going back to um, Rob Reiner and this is Spinal Tap I mean I definitely think when Harry met Sally is what I think of first with her Mm. Um, but yeah you know going through her catalog I don't have a strong like oh that movie or oh my gosh that one was incredible like (laughs) I like her enough but I don't have like a she's one of my favorite gals of the 90s (laughs) right right how about you and either of you Uh, I was gonna say I I ride or die for sleepless in Seattle but is it is it you've got mail where she's at first dating Greg Kinnear and spoilers for you've got mail I think if that's the one where he's her boyfriend, where they break up because she forgot to vote and she admits it later and he's like super politically active. And so she's like, and I forgot to vote. He goes, it's okay. I forgive you. And she breaks up and she's like, you, that's, you forgive me? Like, no, that's not, I don't need your forgiveness for this, but I, every election day I always, and I happen to have day guys who are in politics. And so I always think of that, like, I forgot to vote. It's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> Maybe that's her second shirt. I don't know. That's, that's more on, on Greg Kinnear's delivery. Though. <laughs> and then like her face when she stands up where she's like, 
indignant, but also really confused about why she's having this strong reaction. And like, she kind of starts reacting before she's thought through the logical, like where this is going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, she, for all that, she's just such a stereotype of the 90s gal, (laughs) I guess, in these romantic comedies. I do really like, I, I just think Sleepless in Seattle is a great movie. And another killer soundtrack, by the way. I was doing something that I often do when I'm on a podcast where I appreciate the the movie that they've chosen, but it's maybe not, you know, one of my ones that I rewatch a lot or doesn't have, you know, the same sort of significance in my pop culture references as it does for them. So I like to look at what other movies came out during that same year to sort of remind myself like, well, if you were watching that, what was I watching? Um, So for 1990, I'll just roll through these really quickly. Like some, so some of the ones that I've watched again and again and have a real connection to would be Goodfellas. So I'm going to go through and say yay or nay. Goodfellas, yay. (laughs) Home Alone, never saw it. Pretty Woman, never saw it. Dances with Wolves, saw it once. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, never saw it. Edward Scissorhands, saw it a ton. Total Recall, may have never seen it. Misery, seen it, liked it. And there's a bunch more. So I won't go through all of them, but I'll just say Tremors. Now that one I've seen a billion times and loved it. And um, Wild at Heart, I've that seen, seen that a billion times and loved it. So that's kind of where I was at <laughs> in my viewing of 1990 movies. It is so weird to think that Edward Scissorhands came out the same year as Joe versus the Volcano. It, that is really weird. That is that is exactly the straddle divide of I think of Edward Scissorhands as an 80s movie and this is a 90s movie. Mm. Yeah, I agree 100%. But I would say that of all those movies that you named, Edward Scissorhands is the one that has the most in common with Joe versus a Volcano. Yeah, that kind of surreal fairy tale feeling mm-hmm. is definitely kind of key to both of them. And then some of the things that we were talking about last week with production crew in common. Mm. So, <laughs> Yeah, this is practically a Tim Burton movie, only very much not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can you imagine what it would be like if it had been a Tim Burton movie? More swirls. More, more things that are swirly. Oh, and Crybaby, that's another one. I could not not mention Crybaby because that one, <laughs> I've probably seen more than any of those others. Mm. Uh, yeah, you know, Tim Burton, he's such a mixed bag. It's like if somebody else wrote it and like some of my favorite movies of all time are Tim Burton films and some of my least favorite movies of all time are Tim Burton <laughs> films. Mm. Well, I do think if Tim Burton directed this, we would still have our lightning bolt. We have another in this minute on the card that Dee Dee is holding, which I'm assuming is some little order form that she has filled out, is the company logo featuring our favorite symbol. Nice catch. I didn't see that one, Tierney. Mm-hmm. It is very, I mean, let's face it. Every prop in this minute is overshadowed by that lamp. That fabulous, fabulous lamp. So my my husband, um, we have a lamp that's similar in that it has that um, 
circular quality and it swirls around, but it mm. actually, it's more of a, a, it's, I forget when it was made. I was, I'm going to say like the forties or earlier. It's an older lamp. It's smaller than this. And it has that circular mechanism. Um, but it's the motif is more of a, like a, fire and countryside kind of like um think of bambi except <laughs> the animals aren't running from the fire but it has like you know woodland you, are you saying that and... you have a lamp of bambi's mom getting murdered in basically a fire? Yes. no no the fire's later <laughs> But it is a it's a charming and captivating lamp, and it's our TV light lamp. So when we're watching television or movies at night, we'll just have that on, and it throws a beautiful little glow on our ceiling as well. Well, I have to ask you to please share a picture of that lamp in the Joe versus the Minute listeners luggage raft. I think everyone needs to see that. Maybe you've got a fun lamp yeah. that you want to share too. I'll have to share... Mine isn't mine. It's my sister's, but she is one of those. It's a very 90s, early 2000s thing where it kind of looks like a rocket ship, but in between it looks like an aquarium. So when you turn it on and it moves, it looks like the fish are swimming in circles. Oh, cool. And it's kind of nice because you'll be shocked to hear she left it at our parents' house. So now (laughs) it's in what used to be her room, but is now, let's face it, a guest room. And it kind of makes a little bit of a noise. Like, there's just a little bit of a noise from it turning. And so it's very soothing. Like, that little soft rumble. And the like you said, the glow. Because mm-hmm. it's not like a lamp. But it, but it does. It's a glow. It, it serves its purpose as a lamp. And it just... It makes me real. It makes me really happy to think that I have that little connection to this. Although, I wish it played music like this one apparently does. Because that is super cool. Super cool. I thought that was really fun that it, it plays music f- it, from the soundtrack. It's it's playing Delarue's Once Upon a Time. And I spent a little time wondering if they actually put a music box in the lamp and it was the lamp was actually playing that versus just being dubbed over. But I I, I think it is the latter. I just yeah, I think I wanted it over. to be really playing it. <laughs> Aww, I think everyone does. And we're definitely supposed to think that it is playing it. So it's it's not just wishful thinking rose-colored glasses. Right. So they want it to be an, a diagenic musical experience, but it's also... Does it get repeated later in the movie? Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. It's a cool. theme. Cool. It's, it's often known... I, like you said, Jarf, it does have a name, but I see it referred to as the music box, the music, the music box theme all the time. That makes sense. And yeah. I think it comes from this scene. I think that makes a lot of sense. And Heidi, I just learned what diegetic sound means from another podcast this year. Sweet. Podcasts are out there doing the hard work and teaching us all sorts of wisdom. Yes, they absolutely are. Some may think that you cannot learn anything from listening to a podcast talking about a movie one minute at a time. But hold my beer. We are here to teach you. (laughs) One of the funniest things in our movies by Minutes community, I can't remember what it was prompted by, but Jim, seasoned 
um, Movies by Minutes podcaster said, um, hold my Yeti. And I thought that was (laughs) 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 Yeah, it works really well if you know it's a microphone. If you don't know it's a brand of microphone, you're like, hold my what? (laughs) Hold my blue Yeti. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So... Heidi, Tierney, how do you feel about this I'm losing my soul line? Because I've, this this is something in a very unrepresentative sample size I've seen as divisive, where some people, myself included, love it, but I'm okay with things that are on the nose, and I've heard others that just roll their eyes at it. So where do you all fall down? I'd love to hear what you have to say, Tierney, because I'm still formulating my thoughts over here. (laughs) That's fine. I like it here because of Dee Dee's reaction to it. So the line itself is super on the nose, but what have we seen of Joe so far? Maybe he's the sort of guy who says these things. The fact that Dee Dee's like, okay, like, yeah. Okay, changing the subject now. (laughs) Like, that makes it charming to me that, like, Joe has just shared this deep, meaningful thing of, you know, and yes, it's the double meaning, but it's the fact that she's just like, okay, so what else is new (laughs) that saves it from being... If, if it was taken seriously, I don't think I would like it. But the way it is just blipped over, I, I think works really well. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't bother me. You know, it is pretty obvious. But also, I think about when I was younger and I had different jobs and things that were, you know, wisdom that was bequeathed upon me from older people of like, you know, dress for the job you want. and Which <laughs> my husband likes to say, so I... You know, so then I went to work as an astronaut, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but that kind of dress for success thing and, and um, how sometimes, uh, I mean, I'm a Gen Xer, so I was the slacker generation. So there was a, I had this inner desire to look professional or be conceived of as a professional person, but also wanted to have you know, my mohawk and have like torn up clothing and everything. And that was like my identity, you know? And so I, I, this also just sort of reminds me of that, that time in life of working somewhere. And I've had jobs where as time went by and I was feeling ground down by my supervisors, I was eating worse and, you know, didn't care as much about how I dressed and, you know, my job became, my my performance wasn't as good and I was calling in sick more because the job was grinding me down. So I think that it's it works well too because it's representative also of how in real life that can happen. I have to tell one more story and it's because I don't know who needs to hear this. <laughs> so just in case it's you, listener. When I was working at Borders, it was a very strange time in my life. A lot of things were going wrong. Some things were going very wrong. 
turns out I also suffer from depression and no one had diagnosed it at that point. And so I was doing nothing to take care of that situation. And I just remember I was on the information desk, which if you remember back in the dark ages when there were bookstores that had information desks, (laughs) they would always, um, you would have two people on there so that one could go off onto the floor and help someone and there would still be someone at the desk. And I was there with Jody. He was older. He was older and wiser, but he was still working at Border. So, you know, relatable. And I'm complaining about something who even knows what. And he turns to me and goes, well, Tierney, it's because you're not happy. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you're not happy. You're not doing things that are making you happy. You are unhappy. So, of course, this is bothering you. And I was just, like, kind of stunned into silence where I was like, it can't be that simple, can it? (laughs) And every so often, like, if I'm really stressed out, all of a sudden, my digestion system starts shutting down. And that's kind of a symbol, like, hey, whatever you're doing, you should probably try and stop doing that as soon as you can. Like you need to make a change at this. And it's amazing. Also, if you suspect that you suffer from a mental illness, please seek professional help because, oh my goodness, it turns out insomnia is treatable. (laughs) Absolutely. It was just, it was amazing. It was so simple. He just turned to me and goes, it's because you're not happy. And once you are willing to admit that and then do something about it, it's amazing what a difference that makes. And so I just wanted to pass it on because that really made a difference in my life at that point, like you said, where you're in your mid-20s and you're not really quite sure which way things are going. That is a real like, okay, listen to your gut guiding force moment. (laughs) Absolutely. Well said. And and. Asking for help is the thing, is is another one of the self-care, self-compassion things that I never cease, I know it never gets old to talk about it because I think it's easy for us to think that, yeah, and you don't know, like you're just in it yourself. So you don't know maybe and somebody else gives you that, like, what's going on? You seem miserable. Oh, really? I just <laughs> thought I was just going along with my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it can be so, right. so helpful. And sometimes self-care is bringing something from home. But obviously Joe is sneaking this. This is not a healthy way of dealing with this. <laughs> Yes, we shouldn't follow Joe's advice at pretty much any step of this movie about how <laughs> to to live our lives. That's not what the Joe character is here for in this film. <laughs> He's here to be an example. <laughs> He's here to be an, an example. And I think this conversation is important. Destigmatizing, asking for help seeking therapy if you need it that is all really important it's helped me personally too and so definitely encourage that if that's something that you experience and when you do talk with your trusted friends that can be there for you you're gonna find out how much everybody else around you has so many struggles too so it can really help even if it can help to remind you that, that that it's quite common for us to have tough times and that we don't need to go through them by ourselves. So yes, wise, wise words, everybody. 
<laughs> we got deep. <laughs> well, it's a Wednesday. We're with Joe and Dee. Hashtag Wednesday wisdom. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but it was worth it, right? <laughs> Everybody else from now on, you, you know, the, the bar has been set. <laughs> you need to bring that Wednesday with wisdom to Joe versus the <laughs> Heidi, you're killing me because I've tried very hard to not set up bits that I'm not able to come on. But then you got you got to come up with that for every minute of the damn movie. And so <laughs> I've I've I love a theme and I love a bit and I have tried to rein myself in from creating things that then are going to be. But you know what? If we can't give some wisdom on a Wednesday. <laughs> When we then, need it most. <laughs> when we need it most to get over the hump, then what are we here for? So oh, so I've come all the way around. Hashtag Wednesday Wisdom. <laughs> now, please feel free to give your what sounded like a very well thought out wrap up to the episode <laughs> that I derailed. <laughs> I don't even remember what it is anymore. <laughs> Away so- from the things of man. See ya Friday. <laughs> I totally think we should just end on that note. <laughs> Growler.